0: both here in person and online. We are so glad you are here. If you're in the back, please come and find your seats. I just wanted to mention that there's a lot of people missing today because our Haiti team, part of them anyway, is in Haiti, and then we've got a a couple of large families that are gone for a funeral, so just remember them all in your prayers, please. And if you so desire, come up closer to the front and closer to the center of the room. We tried to make the music a little bit more close and narrow today, kind of like a coffee house. And we really need you guys to sing because there's not a ton of people here today. So you guys are all great singers. It's not a really a big request. So let's sing together about Jesus' salvation, our lion and the lamb, he saves us. that time of year again the christmas program can you believe it six weeks is the dress rehearsal and as we all know that the wise men seek jesus they came to worship him and it says that they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy they fell down and worshiped him and then opening their treasures they offered him gifts And that's what we seek for our Christmas program to be, is an opportunity for you to bring your gifts to Jesus. So we have sign-ups at the back of the room starting today. um, Sign up as quickly as you can because you only have six weeks to practice your part. If you don't see something that would fit your gifting, then let's work it in. Maybe you have a poem that fits in with a theme of Emmanuel, of the gospel, of um, the good news of Jesus Christ. So just sign up. Make sure you do that. And we'll look forward to hearing from you in seven weeks, six weeks for the program for a dress rehearsal.
1: Just uh, a few announcements here. You can see most of them on your bulletin. Today is the Food Pantry Day collection, collection day. Um, And then later this week, the Women's Missionary Outreach and Shin's November Gathering. Also note, on November 11th, there's a For His Glory open mic night, so um, you might want to look into that and other items here in the bulletin. Also, have an exciting announcement with regard to the youth pastor search. You may have met Jesse and Mackenzie South two or three week, two and three weeks ago here. He has applied for the youth pastor position, and the elders and the search team have spent several hours interviewing him. Um, he's got a fair amount of youth ministry experience and ministry in general, and as we called his references and talked to him. Kind of got one consistent testimony to who he is that he's a man that loves jesus loves people has a heart for the gospel wants to connect with people young people in particular and make them established in their faith so the search committee and the elders were all of one mind that we should extend him an offer so mike johnson and i called him last week and he immediately accepted and He told us that as he and McKenzie were driving back home, they're living in Washington State right now, that they concluded that God was indeed calling them to Creekside. And he said, to the extent that if you had said no, I would have said, we need to talk some more. So (laughs) we are happy um, to be looking forward to having him come here toward the end of the year, um, as soon as all the arrangements can be made. Um, I guess I'll make one other note on that. Um, If you did make a pledge in support of a youth pastor coming, then the time to start spending the money is coming up. So yeah, you can think of that. Um, and then just on a personal note, I know uh, some have asked, but my son Brandon and his wife Madrian welcomed a little girl into the world last night, Eden Joy. So we're happy to have her.
2: Thanks, Bob. One more announcement or prayer request. Let's see. Yeah, Ann, would you and Courtney want to come up? Let's. We we have. The final contingent of the Haiti team, they are leaving on Tuesday. So we need to continue to pray for those who are already down in Haiti and also pray for Anne and for Courtney because they're gonna be joining the rest of the team uh, on Tuesday. So I'm I'm just gonna uh, lift them up in prayer before we start. Father, we just pray for your great provision and for your protection and for your blessing on uh, ann and courtney as they get ready to depart thank you for um, getting the rest of the team there safely we just ask that you will continue to watch over them uh, just may they be a great blessing uh, to the the people that they are ministering alongside of with and to and uh, may you use the this trip for your glory uh, for your kingdom it's in jesus's name we pray amen All right. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2? And we're going to look today at the first 10 verses of Ephesians 2, and really what we're going to see, and I hope that you all get a vision for this passage, is one of the, really the most succinct and one of the richest descriptions of the gospel in the entire Bible. And and I think this is, is a great passage. If you have been saved uh, for decades, this is just such a rich, and amazing passage just to look at and to consider the scope of what God has done for us. If you're not a believer, this is like a perfect passage to look at as a primer, just to say, "What is this Christian message all about?" You know, I hear I hear people talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? What does it mean? And so to look at this passage together, I think, uh, is, is something that can be just great for all of us to see. So I'm going to read through it as we start. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in, once you, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So if you've got your little slip of paper that's in the bulletin uh, where you are taking notes, if if you're one of those people that takes notes during messages, then you can write down these three points. Uh, we're gonna look at this passage in three parts. The first, we're going to look at the ruin of sin. The second section is going to look at the rescue of the Savior. And the third section, we're going to talk about the riches of salvation. Now, if you've seen uh, the movie The Princess Bride, uh, a classic, um, there's, a, there's a moment in the movie where the uh, apparently dead Wesley is brought to a guy by the name of Miracle Max. And Miracle Max, after examining the lifeless body, says, <clears throat> well, he said, your friend is not dead. He said, there's a big difference between all dead and mostly dead, right? There's a big difference. Mostly dead is partly alive, all right? And um, in this, in this uh, section that we're going to look at to start here, we get Paul's diagnosis of what our spiritual condition is apart from Christ. And it's really emphatic. We are all dead apart from Christ, right? We're not mostly dead. We're not a little bit alive. We're all dead. And <clears throat> this death, uh, this ruin, it says you are dead in the trespasses and sins. So it stems from sin. It stems from trespasses. It stems from not following God's design for our life. And Paul is going to lay out three sources three sources of sin, three sources or channels that bring this death to all of us. And he's going to point to the world, the devil, and the flesh. All right? So you see it right here in verse 2 says, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Following the course of this world. So the world in Scripture is is often used as a term, and it it really encompasses the world system, okay? And and you think, well, what is the world system? Well, I think we can see it if we just stop for a moment and and observe the world around us. You know, if um, you see injustice, right? And, and you can see injustice in our current time. You can see injustice throughout the ages. You know, think of the many ways in which people have been enslaved and, and uh, traded like cattle. Um, that's injustice. You think of the greed that corporations show when they, you know, sometimes cut corners uh, to save some costs or to make uh, a buck and at the meantime leaving people behind that are sometimes injured from faulty products or or things like that you know i think from a biblical perspective you see it really early on in the book of in the book of genesis 11 you see this there's this scene at the tower of babel and in genesis 11:4 says <clears throat> the people said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So this idea, let's make a name for ourselves, right? Pride. All these things, pride, injustice, greed, corruption, they're all kind of baked into the world system. And, you know, governments throughout time uh, show varying levels of uh, um, wisdom and in the rulers and and yet what you see, this trajectory over history, is that, you know, it, you may have a good government for a little while. It doesn't last very long. You look at the history of Israel and the kings, you know, they start out with, with uh, Saul and David and Solomon, and it just, it, it goes downhill. It doesn't last. And, you know, we're going to be voting in, in a couple of weeks, and, and we pray for the right candidates to come to power, but there's this world system, it's baked in, Right? And any efforts we have to reform it or renew it or make it right um, are just, they feel like they're so short-lived, right? 1 John 2.15 talks about all that is in the world, the, the flesh, uh, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the things that mark the world system, right? And so... This brings death, um, and, it, and it brings a lot of suffering, and, and you can all just look around and you see it. But it, it's, it goes beyond uh, this world system. Continuing in verse 2, it says, "'Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience.'" So it's not, just, it's not just the world system, right, which has plenty of corruption and evil in it just due to the sinfulness of, of man. But there's a, there's a force. There's an evil that's behind this system. And this evil is called, in this passage, the prince of the power of the air. We also know him as Satan. We know him as the devil. John Piper says, air is everywhere and our enemy is everywhere. Peter talks about Satan as a prowling, roaring lion, just waiting for someone to devour. Colossians 1.13 talks about being transferred from the domain of darkness. And that's that's really what this is. This is a world system working together with a satanic influence uh, to bring a domain of darkness that really lies lies over the earth. Unless we we think, wow, you know, all these problems and things, they're not our fault. They're all outside of us. It's just the world and the devil that's keeping us down. Well, Paul throws us into the mix. Verse 3, he says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." So even if we lived in a, in a perfect society, even if we lived uh, you know, apart from the presence of the devil, you know, if we lived in paradise, I think we would do the same thing that Adam and Eve did. We would take those desires <clears throat> that are at work inside of us, and we would act on them, the desires of the body and the mind. So, we're not just victims of external forces. We're victims of our own self. Um, you think of Esau. He sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. It smelled good. It looked good. It was right there in front of him. Yeah, this is, this is what I want. Okay? We're short-term thinkers, you know? And you see it. You, you, you look around. The, the headlines come fairly regularly. Uh, could be a prominent politician or it could be a pastor. Um, any number of people, someone with influence and power, and, um, and yet you see these times where they, they fall into an affair or they, maybe they steal some money. or You know, they, they, they take what, something that is a, a short-term thing and they place it ahead of their real long-term happiness, right? Um, and so the ruin of sin is all around us. It's in the world system. It's in, you see it in the devil working in that system. And you see it in, your, in our own hearts, right? In, in the desires of our mind and our body. And, and to this pronouncement that says <clears throat> that we were by nature children of wrath. Man, what a, what a thing. Children of wrath. And all of these things, this sin is crying out to God for judgment. Judgment of the world. Judgment of the devil. Judgment of every one of us who have failed to live up to God's standard. This is the message of the Bible. And there's a really interesting progression here. Notice how in verse one it says, and you, and you. Who's the you? Well, we know he's right into the Ephesian church. So that's that's kind of the basic answer, but he's, he has something in mind more specific, okay? He is talking to a Gentile audience. He's saying, and you Gentiles, you were dead in trespasses and sin. And you say, well, where do you get that? Well, you can look at verse 11. He says, therefore remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh. And then you can look down at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. So he's pointing out, you Gentiles, you're, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But then notice, he makes a shift. In verse 3, he says, among whom we, we all once lived. Okay? So he's talking there. This isn't just about Gentiles, this is about Jews, all right? Paul was a Jew, okay? He says, we, we Jews, we also once lived in the passions of our flesh. And, you know, I think it's significant that he calls, after he says we, he says, we were by nature children of wrath. What was the the, uh, Jewish leaders that, you know, kind of, how did they justify themselves before Jesus? They said, we're children of Abraham. Well, Paul's here saying, you know, it doesn't matter if you have Jewish privilege. You're still really a children of wrath because of your sin. And, you know, throughout this section, this, it's also interesting that all this language about death, and yet all this activity happening, right? You know, he says, we were dead in trespasses and sin. And then he, he says, in which you once walked. So, These are dead people. They're walking around, all right? Think of the little zombies that might come to your door tonight, asking for candy, all right? Um, We were dead, but lots of activity, right? Lots of things happening, all right? This is a spiritual death, okay? So don't think, oh, just because I'm doing good works, just because I'm doing good things, just because I'm helping the poor, that I'm not spiritually dead, okay? This spiritual death is in spite of the activity, okay? Because It says, you you walked, you followed the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's at work, again, activity, among whom once we all lived in the passions of our flesh. We were dead people carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, okay? Spiritual death, all right? But then one of the great uh, verses in all the Bible, verse 4 says, but God, but God. So if this, is a, if this whole passage is a great summation of the gospel, I love this two-word. If you want to sum the gospel in two words, you could almost do it. You have to fill in the blanks and say, why? But these two words, but God, okay? In spite of all the ruin around us, in spite of everything bad in this world, this message that, but God, God didn't leave us on our own, okay? He didn't leave us apart from a rescue, And so we're going to look at the rescue of the Savior. And we see the why and the how and the purpose, okay? So under point two, ABC, the why, the how, and the purpose. The why. God, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Now I was thinking about this this term mercy, right? What does it mean? Mercy is an undeserved favor, and it, and it is so rare in the world, all right? Think about how rare mercy is, you know? Every, every week, every month, you hear of, of someone who, is, who has fallen uh, in some way. And, you know, the, the term cancel culture has arisen to describe this idea that someone makes, uh, uh, says something foolish when they're a teenager, and it catches up to them when they're 30, 40, 50 years old, and they're done, all right? The concept of mercy is so rare. You know, I, I uh, have a couple credit cards. You know, there's one I, I like to use frequently. And then there's another one that I just use uh, every once in a while when, when it maybe, you know, for some reason that my, my first card isn't accepted or whatever. And so, it, so one has a significant balance. I, I pay it off every month. And the other one sometimes has a small balance. It doesn't have a balance every month. So this summer, I, I had a small balance on the second card, you know, $100 or something like that. And life just gets busy, right? I, so I didn't pay it off in time, or, or I was very close. So I, I, I get my balance the next month, and all of a sudden, whoa, you know, you were assessed a late charge. And I, I went back, and I looked, well, what day was it due? What day did my check clear? My check cleared the day after the deadline. I thought, okay this has happened to me before, right? Uh, I'm going to just call them and say, hey, is, is it okay if you take off this late fee? I was a day late. Call them. No, they weren't having anything of it. And this is like a, this is like a, a card that I, I, you know, for $100 and you get a $35 charge, it's just like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. But it, it's just a little example. Like, we know when we mess up, we want mercy, right? When we're a day late with our payment, we want mercy. But You know, I signed an agreement. I said, yeah, I'm going to follow the terms of this credit card. And if I mess up, you have the right to charge me $35. But man, I'm like, ah, man, I was a day late. Can you just, you know, spot me the $35? But mercy is rare, right? So to think that the God of the universe, who we have transgressed his rules over and over and over again, he's described as rich in mercy, okay? That's an amazing thing. God is rich in mercy. And it's not just mercy, right? Because I, I could show mercy to someone, but not love them, right? I could be like, yeah, all right, you know, gonna let you off the hook, but don't do it again, all right? But God combines mercy with love, all right? Because you could show mercy without love, but God doesn't do that. He combines mercy with with love. It says, God being rich in mercy. And just these adjectives that he adds in, right? It's like not even, you know, it's like, well, is that really necessary? It's, just, it's enough just to have mercy, but God is rich in mercy. And it says he has great love. Great love with which he loved us, okay? So God's actions flow out of his attributes, okay? So that's the why. The why is rooted in who God is. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. But then look at the how. Verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, it's it's like he hasn't already talked about it enough. He reminds us again, hey, remember what we just talked about. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So we were made alive together with Christ, okay? So, um, you know, before, we were part of the death that flowed from Adam. Now, you might, you know, you think, some people ask the question, well, what came first? Did the sin come first, or did the death come first? It's kind of like the chicken and the egg, right? And I think you say, well, when you look at Adam... Uh, the sin came first and the death followed. After Adam, it seems like we're all just born into death. We're born into Adam's family that is marked by death. And that's kind of, I think, called out when he says, well, we were by nature, okay? Death is like baked into our nature. But now, it's like God says, I'm taking you out of this family of death and transferring you into the family of Christ, before, we had Adam's death, and now we get Christ's life, okay? And it says, And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. So this whole idea is, is really, uh, it's hard to understand, right? What does it mean? I mean, Christ died on the cross, I wasn't with him. Christ rose from the dead. I wasn't with him, okay? And and when you say that Christ is seated and we're seated with Christ, well, wait, I'm still here. I'm on this earth. I'm not with Christ. Well, adding to the confusion, if you look back at chapter 1, verse 14, and it talks about the Holy Spirit, he said, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? So this seems like a little puzzle here. We haven't acquired possession of it yet, and yet it says we're seated with Christ. It's it's like stating that we're already there, we're already victorious. Well, this is this concept that runs throughout Scripture. It's this idea that there is a union that we get with Christ, so that Christ's actions transfer to us. Okay, I'm going to read you just two other passages, two other examples to show how this language is used. So if you look at, turn to Galatians 2.20. This is the first one I want you to read. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, so, not only, you know, according to the Ephesians passage, we're, we're raised with Christ and we're seated with Christ. Well, this Galatians passage is saying that I've been crucified with Christ. All right, let's look at another one, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So this language is, is, is still just kind of like, like what, what does this even mean? And I, and I really think a lot of it is a mystery. It's this, it's this idea of the vine and the branch, and Jesus says, abide in me, be connected to me, all right? The reason we have life is because God, when we trust in Christ, connects us to Christ. God connects us to Christ. And it's like, the victory that Christ accomplished is already done on our behalf. D.A. Carson says the promised inheritance is already inaugurated. The promised inheritance is already inaugurated. Now, I thought of a little example. I, I, uh, when I attended Emmaus Bible College, I played basketball for a couple of years. We were not a very good team, but, I mean, we could, we could play competitively when we were playing against teams that were in our own division, Right? Well, my, my freshman year, somehow, um, I, d- I don't know how this happened, uh, the schedule was put together and we were set up with a, a home and away uh, contest against uh, a team from Indiana, Manchester uh, University. And Manchester was not part of, of our division. Manchester is NCAA Division III, okay? We were national Christian Collegiate Athletic Association Division Two. All right, so you can't get any lower than we were. All right, <laughs> we were Division Two of the Christian schools. All right, and uh, so you know, we didn't know what to expect. The first game we played against them was, was in Dubuque, and but they show up in this big, you know, a team bus, and this is still Division Three. This isn't Division One, but they show up in a team bus, and their radio guy says, "Hey, where do we set up our booth?" And we're like, oh, "We never played against a team with a radio." Uh, station. And we're like, this doesn't sound good. You know, we, we go in there and watch them warming up and then big guys. I mean, you know, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, you know, they, they were tall. They were fast. They were, they were, they were, you know, much better athletes than we were, okay? And, and so, you know, we play the game and we get absolutely pounded, all right? I, I'm not going to tell you the final score, but they had over 100 we had less than 20, all right? So it was bad. It was bad. To the point where their coach was really worried after the game. He says, look, you know, what do we have to do to make sure you guys, you know, come out and play us the second game? Because right? it just wasn't competitive, all right? He was afraid that we would just forfeit and, and skip the trip, you know? And he said, what, you know, do I have to buy your guys new, new sneakers? Do we have to, you know, he was trying to, no, you know, we'll, we'll play the game you know, we committed to it, we'll play the game. But I'll tell you what, the outcome of that second game was never in doubt, okay? We, we went there, unless they all came down with, with the flu the day before, there was no chance we were going to win, all right? So we were as good as done, but the game hadn't been played, all right? Christ has accomplished our victory, okay? And it's not finalized, but it's finalized, right? And, and, and then, so that's why this language is just so amazing, that somehow through the through the mystery of what god does through faith we get to be united with christ and his death is our death his resurrection is our resurrection he is seated in glory and, and the language you know is is echoing what we read what steve talked about last week right because in in chapter one it says i'm praying that the that the eyes of your hearts will be enlightened and what do you want them to see he said I want you to see what is the verse 19 from chapter 1. What's the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So we're reading that, and we're like, wow, that's where Jesus is. And then in chapter 2, he says, you're seated with him. And so this victory that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, it's like it's already done. It's already, it's done. We're waiting for it to be completed, but it's done. All because of, of a God who's rich in mercy and full of love for us. And then the purpose, you see the purpose, so that, in verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, I came already to, to, to you know, wow you guys with this, this uh, picture from the James Webb telescope, and then I come to first meeting and everyone's talking about the James Webb telescope, and so <laughs> here's the picture, um and just this idea though that we see a little bit from from the earth and and we we look at the stars and they're amazing and we think wow that's great you know you have to go to Montana or somewhere like that to really see the stars but then you know we we progress through time and we see a little more and we see a little more and we see a little more and every time we see more we're blown away that is what it's like with God's grace And that is what it's going to be like for us when we're together with Jesus for eternity, right? It's like we see, we see more, we see more, and and it'll never stop, okay? We'll never come to an end of being blown away by who God is. And there's another verse later in Ephesians. We'll look at it again, but I'm going to preview it for you today. It says in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So it's like God connects us to Christ and we become like trophies of his grace, trophies of his victory. Look look at these people that were dead in sin and now they're alive and they're part of my eternal plan. And, and And it's like God putting out uh, his people on display for the angels to marvel at, for the rulers and authorities and and all the, all the uh, satanic forces even uh, to be blown away. Whoa, look at what God has done through these people that he has shown grace and mercy to. And the whole book of Ephesians has all these little time clues. It's so cool. All these time clues. It starts right away in chapter one where he talks about before the foundation of the world, right? Before the foundation of the world. So that's eternity past. That we were, even at that time, chosen in Christ. Before the foundation of the world. And then it continues forward in our redemption, okay? And then in verse 7, this is looking, this is looking ahead. Because this idea that we says, so that in the coming ages. So this whole scope of salvation from eternity past to eternity future is all in view in this book all because of what God has done for us. And so we look at the last couple verses, verse 8, 9, and 10, and this is the riches of salvation. The riches of salvation, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he talks about the gift, and he talks about the workmanship as part of the riches of salvation. And the gift, he makes two points about the gift. He says, it's not by our own doing. It's not from our own works okay, the two negative points, and then the opposite. He gives the opposite of both of those. It's not by your own doing. It's the gift of God, so it's not your own. It's a gift, and it's not a result of works, so that no one may boast, all right? Think about what is boasting? Boasting is when you do something great, and you want to tell everyone about it, but what's the key there? It has to be something that you've done, right? If you didn't do it, you can't boast about it. So I was thinking about this. Um, just imagine that you were on a uh, boat. You're crossing the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, a huge storm comes up. Your boat capsizes. Everyone is scattered into the water. Maybe you happen to grab a life jacket and you put it on. And, you know, you look around and no one from your ship is left. You're there by yourself. And you're wearing a life jacket. What would you start to do? You might do the calculations in your head, like, ah, you know, this water's cold. I might have an hour before hypothermia sets in. I better start moving around. I better start, you know. Well, you know, I'm I'm 100 miles from shore, but I guess I'll start swimming, right? So you start swimming, and uh, but you're you're for all intents and purposes you're dead, right? Now just imagine that another boat happens to be driving by and they see you. And they throw out a rope to you, and you grab the rope, and they pull you into the boat. And then imagine you get home, and you're telling the story, and, you, and, you, and the whole point of the story is how great you were because you grabbed the rope, right? And how, how, you know, no, who would ever do that? You can, there's no way you could turn that scenario into an opportunity for boasting, right? There's There's nothing that you did. You were a dead person in the water with a life jacket, and because a boat came and threw a rope to you, that's the reason you're saved. It's because of someone else's actions, nothing that you did on your own. Well, that's that's what we have in Christ, right? You know, believing in what God has done, accepting it through faith. That's just grabbing a rope, okay? And we can't take any credit for it. There's no boasting. There's no boasting. It's completely, it's completely because of grace. It's completely because of what God has done for us. And yet, what does it do? The fact that it's a gift means who gets the glory? God gets the glory, okay? And that's the way it should be. That's what, that's what he says is the whole purpose of this is for his glory, okay? God didn't save us so that we could brag about it. It's, it's all for him. So it's a gift, but it's not just a gift. We're not just saved from our sins and then just left there. Look at verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So the riches of salvation are a gift and it's a workmanship. And God is saying, you know, I'm taking people who are dead and turning them into something great. Turning them into something, you know, this... A workmanship. Think of a craftsman, right? Forming something amazing. That's what God is doing in our lives. He's made us into a workmanship. And, you know, I think of, I think of the, the verse from 2 Corinthians 5-7. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5-7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight, sorry, the wrong one um is it first Corinthians? if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has gone behold the new has come okay that's what that's what paul's emphasizing here in ephesians that we're a new creation you know the people that we were before we are no longer and we're not we're not saved by works but god has saved us for good works and so he's made us into a workmanship so that we can accomplish his purposes, right? And how awesome it is that he has, like, created these opportunities beforehand, right? Another, time, another cool time reference, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we start in this section with walking in death. Isn't that cool? And we end walking in the works that God has prepared beforehand for us to do. How amazing is that? And so, as we come to the end here, uh, and we just reflect, here's this great salvation that he's given us. You know, we were ruined by sin. The Savior brought us a rescue. And now we can have riches in salvation. But again, this offer is available. You know, if there's someone in this room who has viewing you know, God's gift was skepticism. You know, I just say, look around. Look at the brokenness in the world. Look at the brokenness that exists in our own hearts. We know we need help. We know we need a Savior. And God has provided that. He said, I sent my son. He paid the price. Now just come be united to him. Make his death your death. Make his resurrection your resurrection. Make his victory your victory by accepting what he has done on your behalf. And we have here the the bread and the juice, and we invite anyone who's a believer in Christ to come, to take these. Um, The band's going to come up uh, while I'm talking here, and um, they're going to just lead us in in some uh, time of reflection. And so use this opportunity to reflect on how you were dead in sins, how Christ has made you alive, And the great opportunity we have to walk as his workmanship to accomplish the things that he has prepared in advance for us to do let's pray father we just uh we're again just reminded of the great message of the gospel Um, that us like the like the person thrown into the ocean with no hope of of rescue um, that we were rescued by a savior and not only were we rescued, but he paid the price for that to happen. He gave up his life, his life for ours, the perfect one for those who are full of sin, the perfect one for those who are children of wrath, the perfect one who, for those who deserved only death. So, Father, just uh, just humble us, just encourage us by what a great salvation we have, um, God, spur us on to accomplish your work. What are those works that you've prepared in advance for us to do? We thank you for what Jesus has done for us. It's in his name we pray.